right, we are here live with Artie Kamiya, uh, one of the nation's leading best physical educators. Um, this is a podcast uh, that I've created called Teaching, Coaching, and Training, or Teach, Coach, and Train, which gives individuals uh, like students in the college setting or coaches, trainers, and teachers that are already in the setting some perspective on some of the leading uh, professionals in our field. And, and cross-breeding or cross-selecting uh, these fields uh, on purpose because I, I see many trainers that become physical physical educators. I see many physical educators that become strength coaches. And it always interests me why people choose their path, stay in their path, or switch to different paths. So we're here with Artie Kamiya. Artie, if you want to just give us a, a little bit of background about you and then uh, maybe tell us how you got to the position you're in right now. Sure, Jordan. First of all, thank you very much for allowing me to chat with you. I know uh, as a new parent, a new daddy, you're swamped. So thank yep. you very much for uh, doing this. Um, I became a physical education teacher out of circumstances <laughs> and I'll explain that to you. What that means is this, uh, when I was in 10th grade in high school, there are three of us that used to walk to school and back from our little neighborhood to John Marshall High School in Los Angeles, California and back. Hmm. So one Tuesday, I'm waiting for my friends at the corner to walk back home and they didn't show up. And I said, hey, you know, the next day I said, hey, you guys stood me up. I said, what's mm -hmm. happening? And they said, well, you know, we joined the gymnastics team. I said, you did what? We joined the high school gymnastics team. Why don't you join us? And I said, well, okay, <laughs> nothing else to do. And as it turns out, Jordan, I was pretty good in gymnastics. I did gymnastics in high school. And I did gymnastics in college. And I was fortunate enough when I was a senior in college to go to the NCAA National Men's Championships on the rings. And that's what I, that was my love, sport and gymnastics. All I wanted to do was coach until I started teaching. And then I saw my real purpose. My real purpose is to be a teacher first, a coach second. I loved coaching and I loved teaching. So I think that's how that started. Nice, nice. And when I read your bio, it said that you were a very enthusiastic and excited person. Now, I know there's a lot of people that might be introverted or, you know, maybe that type B personality that might not have that edge. Can, can that be um, developed? And if so, how and how has yours developed throughout uh, time, uh, you know, being enthusiastic, being excited and having that uh, energy when maybe you don't feel well that day, you know, not everything's going that right. great, but you're yeah. able to kind of fight through it. Yeah. You, you just have to bring your A game. You just have to, if you have concerns and problems at home, you need to put them in a box, shut the lid, lock the door and um, bring your A game. Because your athletes, your clients, your kids deserve your very best. Mm -hmm. And that's just what I've told myself. And that's what I taught myself. And that's what I saw. 
-hmm. When I saw my fellow physical education teachers and coaches doing that, that allowed me to become a better person. Yeah, and sometimes I see every class as an opportunity, like a Super Bowl almost. You know, it's like yeah. this is it. This is this is the class. This is you know this could be the time where you know they get the most out of it, or this could be uh, a chance to really develop one person that you haven't been able to throughout you know the time that you've been working with your students. But you know, I when I run my classes or programs or anytime I teach physical education, especially. I look at it like this is the Super Bowl. Like, you know, this is, you know, we've right. prepared for this, you know, let's, let's, you know, you got to have that yeah, fire with you or that passion a little bit when you're teaching. Otherwise, how, how can people endure that feel burnout? I know a lot of people right. get burnout in the first couple of years. Is it because they're going into it too fast? They're not taking the right protocols or why, why are people getting burnout in the field? Um, in your opinion? Well, it might be an improper fit. They may have found themselves in a profession, coaching, training, teaching, that just, they thought it was a good fit, but as it turns out, it was not a good fit. Hmm. That could be the case. Um, they could be overwhelmed at work or overwhelmed at home and not being able to find the correct balance. But typically, I find that if you're in love with life and you like seeing successes within your relationships at home and at work, you'll never burn out. I don't believe in burnout. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you know a lot of times when I used to go to schools and as a substitute teacher, interim teacher, intern, and I've had all the titles. Um, I used to go in the, in the lunchroom with the teachers and I would always hear so burn out or it's just too much. And it was like, I was like, I don't even want to be in this environment. It's too negative. Right. right. There's a, there's an old saying that uh, I'm going to paraphrase William Shakespeare. How about that? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, William Shakespeare. Heavy lies the head that wears the crown. Heavy lies the head that wears the crown. And what that means is this. As a leader, you have heavy responsibility to do your best. And you need to step up. As a coach, as a personal fitness trainer, as a teacher, we need to realize that there are decisions and struggles that we need to bear, not our students, not our athletes, we need to bear them. And that's hard. That's very, very hard. Um, like I said, I don't believe in burnout. I know there are people that have burned out and really, really good educators that have found difficulty in the struggle. But perhaps you need to take a different perspective of what that crown is and what it should feel like. Um, and or maybe you just, maybe it just wasn't a correct fit. Maybe that yeah. crown just didn't fit you. Yeah. And, you know, there's 
you know, there's people you see that were in your major that go on, went on to do different things, became businessmen or women. And you say, Hey, that, you know, that's just more, it seems more your style too. You know, it seems more your personality, you know, maybe, maybe teaching wasn't going to be your forte, but not looking at it like, Oh, they're, you know, they were burned out. They couldn't handle it, but maybe they just didn't have the right fit from the beginning. And they were kind of, they're, they're doing the best they could, but maybe it just, they weren't getting that uh, satisfaction that they needed. Right. And it, uh, it comes down to loving and caring more about others than yourself and having the perspective and gaining that strength over time to ensure that you're in a good fit. I mean, let's face it, people change jobs all the time. They change jobs all the time. Um, who would you who would you say has the big has had the biggest influence on you becoming a physical educator, uh, leader in general of physical activity and health and well being? Who was your biggest influence? My my biggest influence were two gentlemen. Uh, the first one's name was uh, Larry McDonald. Uh, he went by Mac, and I say was because he recently passed away. He passed away in December. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah, he was uh, he was my biggest mentor. We were fortunate enough to work together at the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction, where he was the chief consultant in physical education, and I was his helper consultant. I was the normal guy. And then another individual that I really, really respect and I grew from is uh, Jim Rich. He was the adapted physical education consultant for NCDPI. He's now retired. He's still alive and kicking. <laughs> uh, and so between the two of those, I, I really learned what it meant to become a physical educator. Um, I wasn't a physical educator at the very beginning of my career. I, uh, I was less than that. I wasn't taking it seriously. I didn't really put on the crown. I really didn't feel the burden. Um, I was thinking more about myself and what I could get and what I could gain. Mm. Sorry to say. Okay. And um, what, what is one of your current passions right now in the field and how has it came to be that currently? Yeah, my, one of my current passions is just trying to help these younger physical education teachers and coaches understand the struggle. And it's tough. It's really hard. Uh, there's there's a, a great deal of politics, local politics, school-based politics, um, other things, and it's very distracting. You're, mm -hmm. you're not able to focus in on your students, your athletes, your clients, in the way that makes sense, makes the mm -hmm. best sense. And um, I wish it wasn't that way, but it, it is that way. Okay. Uh, what, what is something that you flip-flopped on that you know, that you didn't know was ever going to, you know, you didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, you, you thought one way and then you kind of flipped and said, actually, it's this way. Is there anything that comes up in the field of physical activity and health that you feel like you flip flop on where you've 
you know, maybe been passionate toward one thing and then you kind of steered in a different direction or do you feel like you've always kind of had the same views? Well, in, in my career, like I had, I had mentioned, I wanted to be a coach first, a gymnastics coach. I went on and got my master's degree because I thought I would uh, really enjoy uh, becoming a collegiate gymnastics coach, just like my coach. Um, uh, my coach was outstanding. His name was Gordy Maddox, Coach Maddox. And he, he coached at Cal State LA and he was actually hired to be the color commentator for the wide world of sports. This was a sporting program way before ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. It was the sporting channel. Wow. The uh, thrill of victory <laughs> and the agony of defeat. Whoa. And so that was wide world sports. And so I wanted to become a gymnastics coach like Coach Maddox. Um, until I started working with young kids. And that's when I flipped and flopped. <laughs> okay. Uh, what um, have you taught? I'm sure you've taught gymnastics in physical education, correct? Sure. Oh, yeah. And do you feel like that's given you that same type of satisfaction in, in a way? Or was there, is there still something you kind of feel like you've left it's, on the table uh, as a coach? It's, it's different working with elite athletes. I enjoyed that time, but I also realized that every student, a kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade student, every student needs a coach. If I could be a coach for an, an elite athlete and they deserve it, then I should be the coach for every student that walks into the gym because they deserve it. What uh, types of coaching experiences do you have? Primarily gymnastics. Mm -hmm. That was my specialty area. Um, unfortunately, I've never been a team sport person. Mm -hmm. um, I would have liked to explore that more, but it's, I was totally focused on gymnastics. Where, uh, where was that? Is that high school or collegiate level? Um, this was uh, high school in Los okay. Angeles and uh, the collegiate level as well in Los Angeles. Okay. Yep. And um, was there strength and conditioning coaches then? There were, but it was mostly for football. And okay. um, really, that was it. Mostly yeah. for football, from what I could remember. How have you seen strength and conditioning evolve? I think it's as coach. becoming. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's becoming a necessity. If you do not have a strength and conditioning coach, within your sport who really understands how to gain and maintain muscular strength appropriately. Um, and in the relationship with that, having a good sport psychologist, I think you need to train your body as well as your, uh, the way that you view your body, which is sport psychology. I think you need both of those individuals and, Sometimes you're able to find, find it in uh, both of those aspects, you know, within a trainer or within a sports psychologist. It's, 
you need to find a way that bring out the very best in yourself, in your sport, and in your life. And that takes many, many people to do that. Hmm. Uh, is there any inside motivation that you have that works best for you? Or is it just um, kind of every day you wake up and you have that outlook? I, um, I don't know if I should bring this up, Jordan. I'm a Christian. I, I believe in um, a higher power, a higher being. Uh, every morning I get up, I reflect on that. Um, I work out in the morning. I walk. I read the Bible. I um, think about what's in store for me and how I could add more meaning to my life and to other people's lives through my faith and my journey. Um, it's just a part of me. Whenever I hear a sermon at church, I try to incorporate that into my teaching. Um, not that we could do that, but it helps me to better understand myself. And if I can better understand myself, then I could be a better teacher for those uh, children and youth that I serve. Nice. What's one of your biggest obstacles that you've, you've faced um, and, and maybe something that's impacted you the most throughout your career that you've had to really maybe overcome? Maybe it's something personal. I, maybe it's not even. Uh, I'm, I'm a person who unfortunately is very critical. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just happen to be very critical uh, of our profession. I'm very critical of individuals that aren't doing their very best, aren't able to successfully meet the needs of the people that they serve. Um, and that's wrong. I, I don't really need to be that critical. I need to find ways to make connections because it's all about relationships, Jordan. Uh, if your relationships at home with your wife and with your kids, if they're solid, everything's working well. If your relationships at school with your fellow colleagues, with your students are working out well, everything's good. But it's finding ways to add meaning to those relationships and not short-circuiting yourself, taking the time to establish those relationships and making sure that they're strong and capable of surviving. Sometimes for certain kids, it's just surviving the day, it's surviving the hour, surviving the night. Do you feel like there's a thing as motivation? Do you think you can motivate people or do you think that's not, you know, motivation isn't, Really relative. I think, um, the answer is the answer is yes. Uh, I believe educators can motivate students and youth to make the right decisions, to be on the right path, to be on the right road. That's what coaches do. Coaches find ways to motivate individuals, and so do teachers. Mm -hmm. um, 
And you, as they do that, they change themselves. When was the biggest change uh, that you've had occur to yourself when it comes to developing relationships and, and realizing I need to make my relationships at home important? Like when was the, the maybe was there a tipping point or was it you've always been kind of, you've always had this point of view or has it been like a, a circumstance that really helped you hone in right, on what's important right. to you? Um, uh, I'll give an example. So as I mentioned, I'm a former gymnast. I trained to be a gymnastics coach, a gymnastics teacher. I remember this little girl, her name was Allie in kindergarten. And we were working on an inclined plane, a soft mat, doing a front row. She was very, very hesitant, very fearful. And I could have handled it a little bit better, but um, I got her, got her into a, a front row position and I lifted up her legs. She went into a pike position and she did a front row. And I jumped up. I was so happy for her, right? Thinking that she would be happy for herself, knowing what she just accomplished. She had never done a front row before. And even though I had to help her, so I asked her, I said, Allie, that's terrific. How do you feel? And she said, in a very sad voice, Jordan, I feel scared, Mr. Camilla. I feel scared. Uh-oh. And that just broke my heart. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're supposed to instill confidence. We're supposed to instill, oh, having faith in you and the things that you can do. And what I had done with Allie was just the opposite. I had destroyed her self-confidence. I had destroyed her love of movement. I, had, I hadn't really helped her. I thought I had, but I didn't. And because of that, I've decided that I just need a softer touch. Maybe it's a bunch of soft touches that helps the individual to learn how to do a front row, a backwards row, a cartwheel. But whatever it happens to be, we're we're moving towards that skill, but uh, the skill is less important than the connection and the relationship a coach has for their athletes or their students. That helped to remind me from that point on. I just, the older and the more mature I came as a teacher and a coach, the softer the touch. It just worked out that way. And I was able to reach out to more more individuals that way. So more of a progressive approach as opposed to laying it all out there, just kind of right. little, little things right. here. Yeah. Um, and, and developing connections and relationships in, in coaching and teaching and training is obviously number one. How, how can um, students maybe simulate that or what would be a good um, lesson or, or activity for people to perform to, to maybe um, change that view. I know you said you like to talk. I know you said in prior conversations that you like to meet new people and see different perspectives. Is there other right. activities like that people can do to maybe 
develop better relationships with the people in their lives or is it just simply starting at home? I think, I think people, uh, coaches, teachers, individuals tend to seek comfort and do those things that they feel comfortable with. Well, that's fine, but you're not growing. Uh, when you go to a state convention or a workshop, you should take a look at the program and say, well, here's something I don't know anything about. Perhaps I'll pick that class or I'll listen to that speaker because I know zero about that content. And perhaps by doing that, I'll become a better teacher or coach or trainer. I'll be more well-rounded because that's what we want our kids to become. Right, well-rounded with a lot of experiences. You don't have to be the best but you want to have a lot of experiences so you can make those connections with more people. That's what I try to do, Jordan. And how, how do you think elementary school teachers or people that are training or coaching or teaching youth, how do you think they should go about it? I know you said variety and getting different experiences. I mean, I, I, I don't believe that athletes should pick one sport and only do one sport. I think they should pick a plethora of sports mm -hmm. um i guess how do you view elementary physical education in 2021 if you're only getting it once a week hopefully at best right it, it first of all it needs to be skill-based not games-based um i i would rather that you teach the skills of throwing kicking striking catching dribbling where every person has a piece of equipment versus just playing a whole bunch of different games. How Tag would you, games, how you would know, you, I, do you, do you have a recipe for each lesson that you like to follow a structure that could fit anyone's elementary PE lesson, or do you believe it's more complex than that? Um, when I was teaching, I, I did have like a three or four part lesson plan. You had a intro, a lead in, um, Work, worked on specific skills, combined those skills uh, with a partner activity, with a small group activity, eventually into a game-like activity. Uh, reviewed that, watched them. If I had some problems, I would back off. If a person wasn't throwing properly or catching properly, I'd just take a step back, reteach, and then move on. Uh, Everything I had, I had outcomes that I wanted to see my students master. So I, at the end of uh, fifth grade, before they move on to middle school, I wanted to make sure that every kid could throw to a moving person. In other words, lead the throw, being able to catch the throw on, on the run, catch the ball on the run. Um, having better court awareness. Uh, these are just check, checklists of things that I wanted to accomplish. I had third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade checklists. Um, what are some types of progressions uh, that you might take to create that scenario of, of being able to run and catch? Uh, what, what are maybe some, some uh, well, prerequisite? Yeah, I would, just back, I would just backwards map everything. I would just backwards map it so... Um, as an example, if, uh, 
if students, if I want students to be able to catch, uh, catch a ball on the run, then first of all, they need to, they need to have the ability to run in space. They need to run uh, safely in open space. They need to look for open spots or positions that are undefended so you could throw to that spot. It's just a lot of developing scenarios and situations where kids can be successful, but doing it in a very planned and manageable way, not just playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of skills, a lot of drills, a lot of lead up opportunities uh, in a variety of different ways, different, different type balls, things like that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, how, how can people become a great teacher if, if, if they've never taught before, or they're about to get into teaching, or they're currently a teacher, they want to take it to the next level? What is like a one, two, three approach to just simply being the best teacher you can be or a trainer yeah. or a coach? Sure. Number one, you've got to be on the internet. <laughs> you've got to be on the internet. You've got to have a presence on Twitter, on Facebook, perhaps Voxer. There are so many strong educators and teachers, and I'm just going to pick two, Twitter and Facebook. Um, you have to know what a hashtag is. You got to know how to, how to search, phys, you know, hashtag phys ed or hashtag health ed. And, and find your leaders, find the two or three people that resonate with you. Follow them, watch their videos, watch their YouTube channels. Try to become like-minded and you'll, you'll be that way. Try to identify your heroes, emulate your heroes and think like your heroes. Okay. Then all of a sudden, you're you're going to find yourself. You're a hero. You're a hero. You're a hero to your athletes, the students, and the other people that you serve. Nice. Now, when you when you think of the word diversity in physical education or cultural inclusion, a culturally relevant pedagogy in physical education. Uh, are those just buzzwords or are those things that mean something to you? Well, they're things that help us to connect with everyone. Um, we really need to try, to try to find a way to feel and understand where the students are coming from. And they come from a variety of different backgrounds, uh, Different, cli- different home climates, different home environments. So anything we can do to be more inclusive, to be less exclusive is always a good thing. Um, when you think of the word communication, it gets kind of, you know, there's books written on communication. Um, there's obviously seminars on how to be a, a better communicator. Um, are, there, are there ways that you've developed your own communication skills or is it, or is it just, you know, just going out there on social media, talking to people like, well, how do you. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question. Primarily 
I've learned more about myself by attending in-person sessions or conventions like our state convention, our national convention, regional conventions. And I'll find uh, an individual, a presenter that just has the energy and enthusiasm and that attracts me as a person. It's just like I'm, I'm a little bee <laughs> and I'm trying to find other uh, flowers to uh, interface with. Certain presenters to me are attractive. They have high energy, they're enthusiastic, they know how to uh, use their voice or their tone in classroom management. Those are the people that I seek out. Um, they like to incorporate dance, even within sports skills. Those are the people that I like to seek out. Anyone that can help me to become a better and more enthusiastic educator, I'm there. Okay. I'm going to be in, in that person's session, his or her session. What do, you, what do you look forward to beside that the most when you go to conventions? Do, do you, are you looking for new learning or are you looking for new people or both? I'm, I'm looking for both. I'm looking for things. Um, I know I have my strengths and you have your strengths. Every person has their strengths and their not-so-strengths, right? I need to make my not-so-strengths a little bit stronger. If it's in swimming I need, or diving or coaching, I need to make my not-so-strengths a little bit stronger so I can reach more people through aquatics or through gymnastics or through lacrosse, whatever that happens to be. Um, we have the opportunity to change the way people feel about themselves. If you think about it, no other content area really has that ability to do what we do in physical education, to change the way that people feel about themselves, that they're capable, that they're lovable, that they have skills, that they have leadership skills. I don't think you could learn that in a math class. I really don't. But through a strong athletic program or through a strong physical education program, I think people learn more about themselves, what they can do, and how to help others achieve what they want to do. For sure. And I love the idea of allowing students to become leaders or teachers in the class right. to really hone in on their cultural um, uh, interests that may, you know, in fact, be very relevant in the class. I know that when I allow my students to dance, most of the time they come up with better ideas and better dance moves. And, right. and, and if that's the case, then they're the leaders, they're the teachers. You know, I always right. let the best one teach or the one that who has the most energy teach. And if it, if it happens not to be me and I have a student who's leading and they, and they want to take it, take the class over and they're doing it appropriate movements, obviously, I think yeah. it's really important to give our, our students a chance. And that's why, um, you know, with, with my recipe for adaptive physical activity, I basically broke it down into six segments where you know, we do breathing and mobility to start, you know, we look at range of motion, we, we get the diaphragm going, 
Right. You know how important breathing is for mental state and also physical health, but just to reinforce that breathing matters too, you know, like right. a yoga class, you start with breathing and you end with breathing. Mm -hmm. And then I like to do dance or a dynamic movement with, with, with music. I think music, if you don't have a music player in physical education, then I don't think it's really physical education. I think you have to have some auditory um, beat for students to move around with, whether it's locomotor, dynamic movement, or, right. or dance. Yeah. Um, and, or a narrative game that resembles a dance or resembles a dynamic movement that is interest of the student. So I always like to do that um, second. You know, something fun after, you know, obviously breathing mobility might not be the most fun, but hey, we got our dynamic warm up next. And then I like to get into sports skills. So that's where, you know, your, your any type of object control skill, whatever it is, you happen to be focusing on that day or week. And then after that, I like to have some type of fitness activity. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to take out the steps in object control and have games. We might extend the object control section and have just a little bit of fitness or a little bit of dynamic dance. But I like to have the dynamic dance or movement after the breathing mobility, followed by the object control. And then once the body is totally warmed up and prepared, that's when I like to do fitness activities, obviously age appropriate, right. uh, if not fitness activities for high school students, more like uh, fun games, like crawling around on the ground and playing, playing fun stuff. If you're a kindergartner through fifth grade or that type of thing. And yeah. then I like to follow that up with a health lesson because I think health is important. I think it should be added in the phys ed curriculum. I think it's a good time to teach it is after physical activity. And it's also a good time for students to also stretch, you know, focus on flexibility and health, and then also end it with discussions and questions. And so that's kind of my recipe I use right now with adaptive PE. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. That, that sounds very, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word, George. I think that that sounds very, all-encompassing, very comprehensive to me. Uh, you yeah. may not spend an equal amount of time for each of those, but over time, you're going to find and you're going to create a well-rounded, responsible individual that knows what he or her likes and dislikes because not everyone's going to be a phenomenal basketball player or a baseball player or a volleyball player, but they're going to go with their strengths. Right. They're and I mean, find the activities they enjoy. Right. And I think that's what has worked the best in, in my circumstance, because, you know, the breathing mobility, is, the, the replicating of the movements is, is pretty simplistic in that you just copy. Right. And then when it comes to the dynamic movement, we always talk about locomotor skills and how important they are. And so with music, locomotor skills, dance, narrative games, any type of dynamic stretching. If you're a little bit older, maybe, maybe you're not dancing that day, but still something dynamic, which prepares you for sport, right? So we don't just go out on the field and throw the ball. You may have to warm up a little bit. Right. So I kind of like that progressive approach and then the strength, uh, you know, upper lower core exercises and making sure you're hitting one of each, not just, all right, we're going to do upper body day or lower body day. So I always have three different exercises and then the cool down will always encompass some stretches and uh, a, a mini health lesson, which will be about, you know, something 
of topic that is in health education. But I just want to run that past you. And I got a couple more questions before we head out. Sure. What are you most grateful for um, right now in your life? I'm, I'm most grateful for grandkids. <laughs> yeah, you like living through the, the oh, second listen. backseat, yeah, the backseat yeah. uh, parent? Yeah, yeah. Grandkids are terrific. We happen to have four, uh, two in High Point and two here in Durham. So, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's great. What's your, be what's your favorite way to hold a baby? Uh, uh, in one arm with, you know, right. the head uh, cradled in my hand, just kind okay. of rocking. Yeah, that's my favorite way. Do you like, what about putting it on the shoulder? Do you feel comfortable putting the yeah, head on yeah, the shoulder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, it just depends, you know. Di uh, diaper changes, you a pro? Um, yes. <laughs> I am not, I am not afraid of a messy diaper. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, let me, I'll uh, take care of that. I, I have a nice little routine set up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, Hey, it, it's uh it's a good thing to change a messy diaper. Uh, another question. Uh, what genre of music would best describe you the most? Folk, anything folk. folk. Yeah. Folk. Uh, and I mean the old Tommy folk like, uh, uh, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Gordon Lightfoot, folk music. I listen, okay. I love folk. I, I like folk dances too, but folk music just, yeah. Okay. Current training routine or unscheduled uh, physical activities that you well, per I, perform? Well, I, uh, I love walking. I'll get up in the morning, walk. Uh, I have a 2.2 mile loop, walk the loop, get up, go to Planet Fitness, Get on the treadmill just for a little more cardio. Hit the weights. Um, I love that the pull-up trainer and the bar dip trainer. Um, I I don't do I don't do heavy sets like I used to. I just do you know low weights, high reps, and um, try to keep my cardio up and to have fun. Okay. And, uh, that seems to work for me. That's do you have a, well, what's your uh, breakfast right now or lunch? Or do you have typical breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Um, yeah, breakfast for me is oatmeal, uh, raisins, a banana, chop up a banana, um, half a cup of coffee. Uh, lunch is typically um, a salad, a store-bought salad maybe with uh, half an avocado in there, maybe a full avocado. Um, dinner happens to be a little less of a, a routine diet. We might go out to eat, my wife and I, we might go out to eat. We may, may stay in. Um, I try to get all my good stuff uh, during my first two meals and if I do anything out of the ordinary and it typically happens uh, to be dinner, uh, try to stay away from red meat though. I'll what, do chicken, I'll do what, fish. What's your biggest, uh, uh, I guess, what's the, what food are you afraid to tell me that you eat? Well, or what was your, it's not red meat because I don't, I, I try not to eat. 
Um, I really can't think of a. So you don't eat red meat at all, or just lightly? I I try to stay away from red meat. That's just 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 me. Okay. I, about four years ago, or maybe five years ago, um, I adopted a plant-based diet. It was just something I'd read about, and I just said I'm just going to try this. And guess what? Um, I used to take asthma medication. I've been an asthmatic since uh, I've been a child. I I don't I don't use Ventolin. Mm. I I am I am completely I would say ninety percent asthma free. I can exercise. It's just funny. Once I went to plant based, I believe it's because whatever is in red meat products and it's whatever it is. I it just doesn't inflame my lungs. It's just Whatever it is, plant-based diet seemed to work for me. Nice. And it, I'm not going to say it's cured my asthma, but it's come pretty close. Nice. Have you read the book, Breath? No. Good book on um, okay. mainly, mainly about the benefits of nostril breathing. I don't know if you, do you okay. know the benefits of nostril breathing? No, I do not. Very, very important for us to breathe through our nose because of our passageways are so complexly okay. structured in a way that filters, okay. moistens, and, and cleans the air okay. that we breathe. And um, you well, can regain yeah. the, you can regain the passageways if you don't currently breathe through the nose. But when you breathe through the nose, you actually get nitrous oxide, which is basically like laughing gas. And it's also it's going to help your mood. Um, breathing through the nose is going to stimulate your diaphragm a little bit more than when you breathe through your mouth. You tend to be okay. more of a chest breather and you get your right. neck involved when you breathe with right. your mouth. And then keeping your mouth open as you breathe is actually helping air get inside your mouth. So okay. uh, I can. Um, uh, hey, for, send me a link, Jordan. I will. I will. Yeah. I am. A, I am a heavy mouth breather. Are you? So so I need to change. We got to change it. Yeah. Check out the book breath. It talks about how, how we've, how our nasal passages were literally designed to breathe. Well, that makes sense. But makes sense. I'll send you something, but we, I appreciate that your time and, and coming on for us and, and hopefully some uh, future educators, trainers, or coaches can get a lot of uh, meeting from this uh, podcast. Well, thank you. All right. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll see you. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye.